0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Nerd Unscripted. We are back after taking a hiatus for the summer uh, for 2019. And uh, it's been quite the summer. I'm looking forward to getting back into this just because, well, you know, it gives me a chance to talk about weirdo stuff. <laughs> Which is always a good thing. It's one thing to teach classes on public domain and book illustration and all of that. And I enjoy all of that, of course. But having an outlet for some of the stranger things in the world um, has just been a lot of fun for me, uh, especially in the first 50 episodes of Nerd Unscripted. It's hard to believe we did 50 and now here we are returned again. Um, I honestly have no idea how long this is going to run. Um, just because who knows, I've learned to not make plans other than those in sand or pencil or whatever. (laughs) So things can change. So in other words, I have no preset determination on how long Nerd Unscripted is going to run. It could run for years. It could run for five months. Who knows? Um. It'll be done when I'm done, I guess, (laughs) we'll put it that way. And so for now, I have no intention of being done. Now, one thing that I'll say, um, just to kind of reconnect and everything. um, First of all, it's good to see you all here, those of you who are here. If you're listening to the replay um, on SoundCloud or iTunes or whatever, howdy, (laughs) welcome back. And it's been quite an interesting um, several months. I forget when the last show was exactly. I'm thinking it was like April or May, somewhere in there. I didn't think to check, but... So it's been a few months. And, um, of course, we, meaning Kristen and I, have gone through a lot of changes. Um, We moved our toy store into a new... Uh, location out of downtown so we're still in the process of cleaning the downtown store and organizing i swear you walk in there and you wouldn't think we've moved anything out yet (laughs) there's just stacks of toys um so that's actively getting worked on not so much by us but you know that's why we pay people uh (laughs) and so we have uh, folks working on that even today and um our new venture 1833 Shire market is doing extremely well our grand opening is coming up on september 7th so just a few days and we have i believe 118 vendors for those of you who aren't familiar with that we Kristen and i have had an idea for a few years to start um essentially a business incubator where um People might want to get into retail, but don't really have the experience or the money to, you know, to put out what it really costs to start a full-blown retail store. And so, um, we liked how certain antique malls were being handled or artist co-ops and those kinds of things. So we kind of developed our own model of this incubator where, uh, which is now Shire Market, um, And that all came together through a very curious set of circumstances. Um, Some cool synchronicities and stuff. But uh, essentially what it is, is we have booths very much like you would find in an antique mall. But they're not locked into a one-size-fits-all. So they vary quite a lot in size and layout and how they're handled and everything. And so we have um, antiques there, which some folks uh, specialize in that. we have... Uh, A lot of artists of all kinds from doing custom wood pieces to paintings to jewelry, to goats, milk, soap. I mean, you name it, it's there. And then we also have boutiques. So um, perhaps satellite stores for several stores that are already located in downtown Chambersburg, um, but also some other vendors who don't live close by maybe a couple hours away. Um, and they've always wanted to have their own retail store, but just, you know, couldn't afford to do that. So, as it stands right now, I think we have 118 vendors. Um, the place is basically full, except for one or two spots, maybe. And Kristen has done an awesome job at selling the spots. I mean, she sold, like, the sides of pillars and windows and all kinds of stuff. I mean, talk about monetization. Um It's really kind of cool to see how it's all come together because um, the business will be in the black October 1. And the only reason why it's delayed is because we gave all the vendors or the initial vendors their first two months free uh, as an incentive to move in. Um, But we will be very much in the black uh, come October 1. And uh, that's pretty exciting. And so we've partnered with the owner of the building and eventually we are going to do a, a profit buyout of the building and the business and everything that will fall into place toward the end of this year, beginning of next year. So we're pretty excited about that because that's where we move Box. Kristen and I, between Toybox and some other ventures have six different um, spots in there and we're already making money. My daughters have a spot in there. They're making money. Matter of fact, pretty much everybody's making money. It's, it's kind of cool just to see people come to us, vendors, and it's like, you know, I've made more money this month than I've made at any other location in several months. Um, so it's great to hear stories like that. And we've been really re- well received by the regional area. So anyway. So that's what we've been up to business-wise in addition to, you know, what I've been teaching online. You probably have noticed that Kristen has transitioned a lot away from teaching online Um, and that's just because she's doing a lot more face-to-face with entrepreneurs and not to say that she isn't ever going to teach online again. She she has a few things that she's working on, but she spends a lot more of her time hands-on with Uh, local entrepreneurs, which is something that she's wanted to do for quite a while. Me, on the other hand, I don't know when to shut the hell up. So (laughs) my intense curiosity for all things uh, will keep me going for a long time. Um, And so thanks, Kathleen. I appreciate that. Um, So what I thought I would kind of kick off this new season, for lack of a better way of describing it, is um, something that I've been giving a lot of time and energy to over the last few months. And it's been kind of trippy, to be honest with you. But also um, reconnecting with my roots in some respects. Um, You may remember on one of the earlier shows, I talked about how whenever I worked at the Christian Publisher, I had this experience where I was meditating on a cover design, trying to come up with an idea, and um, had my head down at my desk, and all of a sudden this vision type experience started playing out where I was standing along a shoreline and I could see this light like off in the distance and there was an ocean and all of that. And somebody was standing there with me with who at the time I assumed was Jesus, but again, context. So I was working at a Christian publisher for a Christian book. So it could have been Jesus. It could have been anybody, honestly, but for all intents and purposes, we'll go with Jesus. So I was standing there with him and we're like literally on the shoreline. And I spent a lot of time on that shoreline and future vision experiences. And there was a cave off to the left in the back. And I explored all of that and everything it was very strange. But he asked me, what do you see? And so I said, well, it looks like there's a city of lights out on the water. You know, maybe it's on an island. I don't know. I can't tell. But all I saw was like this water and then this pop of light. And it was multiple lights. And so um, he put his hand over my eyes and then pulled his hand away and said, tell me what you see now. And whenever I opened up my eyes, I was hit with this burst of light. Almost like a, it wasn't like a laser beam uh, because it was much more all encompassing than that. But the, the significant thing about that light was that there was information in the light. And I felt like in an instant, all the secrets of the universe was downloaded into my brain in a flash, just like that. And it was so intense that it startled me um, for real. And, um, I jumped up out of my chair my chair went flying across the room and there was a guy who was studying under me who was working next to me, Jeff. And, uh, he's like, <laughs> it startled him because, you know, the noise of the chair and the room was somewhat dark. We always kept it semi dark. Um, anyway, and he's like, dude, are you all right? What's going on? Well, I quickly discovered that I couldn't speak and I couldn't talk um, more than just a word or a syllable or something like that. And so, cause I'm trying to describe what's going on and I couldn't, and it took about two hours if I remember correctly, about two hours before I could speak in sentences. Um, cause my brain was just tilted, you know, just overwhelmed, but I kind of felt like in that moment, that if you had asked me any question, I could have given you the answer, like literally any answer to any imaginable question. And then as I stood there in my office, I felt like it's, it felt like all of that started leaking out of me, (laughs) you know, for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, Like it was just draining away from me and I became normal again instead of a superhero. (laughs) Uh, And it was the weirdest feeling in the world. Um, And it put me into depression actually for several days uh, just because I felt like I did something wrong, which is why it leaked out. Uh, Come to find later that it didn't go anywhere. It's just that my... Conscious awareness was so overwhelmed because, you know, our our consciousness can only process about 3,000 bits of data, you know, at any given time, as opposed to our subconscious that can, you know, crank through data like there's no tomorrow. And so what I realized was that it was just my conscious awareness that was resetting um, because it couldn't handle the vast amount of data um, and that that light and the information in it actually didn't go anywhere, uh, except into my subconscious. Not to say that I really had any clue how to tap into it cause I didn't, although I've realized since then that I've actually been tapping into it all along. Um, you know, through the voices in my head, if you will. <laughs> um, but which is just me, you know, my higher self or whatever you want to call, call it. But, um, or I guess it could be God too, or aliens, who knows. Um, I'm pr- I promise that I'm not certifiable, although I guess maybe I could be depending on who you talk to. But anyway, so that experience, as you would imagine, was really profound, and it kind of kicked off a season of about six months of a lot of visions and different things like that, vision experiences. And I've never forgotten it, but as quickly as the visions and all of that started, they stopped. And so that experience with the light was kind of like a jumpstart of sorts. And um, so I don't know if you've ever heard of the of a guy named uh, Walter Russell, but over the years I've come across some of his illustrations and different things like that uh, because he's had some fantastic insights into the inner workings of the universe. And so more recently I came across a book because I was doing some research on him again. And there's a book written by another man and I can't think of the name of the author right now, but basically it was titled something like um, the man who uncovered the secrets of the universe or something like that it's a pretty quick read, but it was about, um, Walter Russell. And, um, so I, I, devoured that. And ultimately what I discovered with Walter Russell was that he had a similar experience where he w- he plugged into this light, except instead of it happening in a moment of time, like it did with me, he was immersed in it for 39 days which is insane i can't even imagine how he physically could have handled it but um coming out of that the guy went on to be a renowned painter um a renowned sculptor his first sculptor uh, sculpture was of mark twain and it looks like he's a master you know i mean it's like hey i wonder if i can do this chink 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 you know Because somebody else is supposed to do the commission and it fell through at the last minute. And he's like, I'll do it, (laughs) you know. (laughs) It's like, boom, done, you know. He uh, discovered elements on the periodic table. He was responsible for designing and building um, different kinds of architecture in numerous locations, New York, Florida, places like that. Um, I mean he completely rewrote our, um, our present understanding of physics from a completely different perspective. That's actually more logical and makes sense. I mean, the guy just literally plugged in and it's, it's an incredibly inspiring story. And, um, one of the books that he wrote that I'm reading right now is called the secret of light. And, uh, I can't read more than a page or two, just because my brain just can't handle it because of my own experience. But I was inspired by that, um, by that reading, and I'm I've, I'm only about 10 pages in. I mean, literally, I have to pace myself. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Normally, I just blast through a book, but this has been different. Um, but... It inspired me because, you know, I have this passion for archetypes and understanding archetypes, symbols, you know, language, all of that kind of stuff, which is all sort of interconnected. And so a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, I got the bright idea to put a challenge out to the universe that I wanted to learn the foundation of archetypes where they came from, because as far as we can tell, they've always been around. They actually, some have supposed, like Jung, that they even predate Primordial Man, which I'm not quite sure how that would happen, but um, nonetheless, that means they're kind of old. And so I decided I want some insight into that. So I kind of put out the challenge um, one night before I went to bed that
1: I wanted to gain insights into that and I have to tell you, you really have to be careful what you wish for. Um,
0: I mean, you would think something like that would be kind of cool, that you get insights to and all of that kind of stuff. And I got some insight. (laughs) I don't know if I can explain it. But the bigger thing is, I woke up around three o'clock in the morning and it was like my whole body felt like it was buzzed, like somebody just injected me with a gallon of adrenaline. And um, it freaked me out, honestly. And uh, I spent almost a week being sick. (laughs) Not like nauseous sick, but heart palpitations, and my cortisol and adrenaline levels were just off the charts. Um, It it wasn't a good experience at all, to say the least. I got up in the middle of the night on the night of the challenge, and I wrote some things down, and I'm not going to get into a lot of what I wrote down just yet. Um, But it prompted me into some additional research, which uh, dug up some very cool insights regarding archetypes. And I had not read up up until that time very much written by um, Carl Jung. Um, Kind of fascinating, though, his insights on archetypes. Some people say that uh, Plato was actually the first one to kind of coin the phrase and to give observation on archetypes. And I'm a huge Plato fan ever since reading allegory of the cave years and years ago. Uh, he was just, I just decided, you know, he's my people, (laughs) you know, he's a weirdo, just like me, just like Mark. (laughs) He says, I resemble that. Um, Plato is very interesting. Um, The thing that I've always been drawn, the reason why I think I've always been drawn to archetypes is because it's programming that um, exists within all of us, regardless of era, time era, regardless of culture, regardless of race, regardless of anything. We're all programmed by it. We all naturally respond to it. Um, We can't help ourselves. I mean, you think about, you know, the hero's quest. Um, you know who doesn't want to be a hero at some point or another in some form or another And so you look at the different archetypes and we're not going to get into what all those are but Um, you look at the various archetypes and you can see very clearly throughout history Um, there they are, you know, you look at any political system. There they are. You look at any religion There they are. You look at any story ever written There they are the bible there they are you know and so whenever something uh just massively uh provides a foundation for literally everything that defines us as human beings you know you can't help but be curious about it you know like what the hell is going on here (laughs) you know why is this there I mean, you look at the ancient carvings and and pictographs and glyphs and all that kind of stuff. They're there, you know, archetypes are there. And then you have symbols along with that, which symbols can be a representation of archetypes, but not always. The big difference with symbols is that if you don't have uh, context for symbols, then In many cases, they're really not anything more than a forgotten language and um, or some kind of a contrast to define, you know, what they mean or why they're there. Archetypes work a little bit different. Like we may not recognize a symbol that represents an archetype, but we understand the archetype because it's part of a almost like a hive mind language that we are not consciously aware of. that we all know instinctively somehow and you know it's not taught to us um, but yet every human being ever born um, is immediately plugged into it that's a crazy level of control Um, and one of the things one of the insights that I got um, whenever I asked for the foundation um, that I will share is that um The foundation of archetypes exists in the light. And I put light in quotes. You can't see me making air quotes, (laughs) but I am. I put light in quotes because our definition of light can really take on a lot of different forms. And obviously I'm not talking about light as in the sun. The sun is a representation of light. I'm not talking about light as in light bulbs lighting my room leds and otherwise they're just a representation of light um the closest way that i can or closest way that i can think to describe light ultimately comes down to the beginning of the bible you know and god said let there be light like why is that the first thing recorded in scripture did you ever wonder that like why did it start there well you know You could get scientific and argue that light is the foundation of everything, which it is uh, because light is vibration and everything vibrates uh, energetically. So it goes back to what my first mentor told me years and years ago before he died that, you know, um, the secret to excuse me, had to burp. The secret to everything is resonance, which is vibration, which is ultimately light. Resonance and vibration is just at a different section of the overarching scale of energy vibration, okay? So um, whether you're talking about sound or light or, you know, granite, um, all rocks, uh, everything that exists vibrate at some frequency or level uh, because if you go down to the atomic level everything is made of atoms all atoms are in constant state of motion they are perpetual vibration machines okay so um, so it stands to reason that archetypes will be birthed out of the activity of vibration but having said that There are some serious implications to that. And that is that if that statement is true, then that means that literally archetypes are a part of everything physically, not even just us as human beings. But what that also means is um, I think we can all agree that light or vibration is limitless because everything literally exists because of it that if we can plug into that light using whatever context that you want whether it's christianity or new thought or buddhism or whatever um they all are pushing us toward the light right why you know why is it pushing us toward light because the light is limitless and so one of the things that um one of the statements that came to me whenever I was writing things down was "It's not me who does what I do, but the light that it, it that's within me that does it. That sounds very christianese, doesn't it? You know it's not him, you know God within me, he's the one who does the works, like we've heard that, and i one of the things that I'm starting to realize, and I think I've kind
1: of known this for a long time um is that A lot of our
0: communication and our language, our spiritual beliefs, our political beliefs, all of those different things that are part of the human experience, they're all just trying to describe the one thing that we're talking about here, and that is the light. They're trying to describe the light and what it means in a way that makes sense. And so one of the things that we see in talking about this light is the archetypes it's there, we're programmed in all of them. And if we are people of light, which some have described us as such, um, children of the light, then of course the archetypes are going to be there, you know, but that holds some very interesting implications and raises some very interesting questions. So if, if archetypes are indeed sourced from the light, meaning that we'll call it the divine or an all-knowing source energy, source energy might be a better word. So if archetypes are birthed from the source energy as an expression of whatever, I don't even know whatever, then does that mean that aliens, We'll just take, we'll just say for the sake of discussion that aliens do exist and that there's thousands, if not millions, of different races and species. So does that mean then that they tap into the same archetypes, that they have heroes and all of that kind of stuff? Maybe. Like, I never asked them that, so I don't know. Um, although I, I would venture to guess yes. You know, if... Let's say, depending on your belief systems, I'm just going to throw a bunch of stuff out, see what sticks. Um, So these are all suppositions. Let's say that reincarnation is a thing. And let's say that whenever we return, we're not necessarily confined to this planet. Let's say that we actually could show up on any number of planets. And that we may look human. We may look like something else. You know, we don't know. If we show up on another planet next go around, will archetypes control us? Now, it seems almost like a lesson in futility where, you know, well, it doesn't really matter anyway, one way or the other, because we won't remember and blah, blah, blah. But it actually has everything to do with everything. Um, Because ultimately, one of the things that I've discovered and realized for myself and have been
1: grappling with over the last weeks is self-imposed limitation because any number of reasons
0: like if there if there is this underlying programming that uh passively controls all of us not in a negative way, obviously it's just woven into our fabric. Um, can we fight it? And I think the solid answer on that is yes, we can. Um, you know, you say the absence of light is darkness and all of that. And we talk about negative energy and all of those kinds of things. We talk about yin and yang and the power of balance and all of that. Um, I've even gone so far as to say you can't know light without knowing darkness. Like, Jesus had to have Satan to give him definition. You know what I mean? There has to be evil to define good. How else would you know good if without evil to contrast it? You know, so there's a lot of those kinds of things that kind of play into it all. But by the same token, if that all happens... You know, there isn't anybody that I know that is 100% walking in the full awareness of who they are. Also known as walking in the light. And I'm not saying that no one exists like that. Um, If anything, you know, reading about Walter Russell and his life seriously makes you scratch your head. Like you see some of the people who have lived in the world, you know, who, you know, you might refer to them as savants or, you know higher energy people, I mean, you know, borderline alien, it would almost seem like, which I use that word fondly in this case. But you think about uh, some of the folks that have lived even more recent history like Tesla or um, even Einstein, um, you know, some of the other uh, folks that, well, I would certainly consider uh, Walter Russell in that um uh ed lead uh i can never pronounce the dude's name lead Skull Lead leads is that it the guy who built coral castle down in florida um john keely you know who introduced a lot of very interesting uh insights regarding um electromagnetism and how it interacts with the world and all of that kind of stuff so There's a lot of different guys out there who you look at and you're thinking, how in the world did they think of this stuff? And ultimately, I'm led back to the fact that they're just, they, they figured something out, how to flow with the light instead of fighting against it.
1: Um, And so it makes you wonder. Kathleen
0: says, some particle physic- physicists believe that the entire universe is made of energy, and the energy consists of information. How else would an ancient person describe energy but as light? Yeah, exactly. And uh, William says, fighting the light versus learning your light to maximize your self-development. I think it it's a good distinction, and I think that it's probably a combination of both. And the reason why I say that is, for me personally, there's some conclusions that I've recently come to about myself and about personal development stuff that I can't explain the why to. But, you know, especially in this exploration of light these days, um, you know, there's certain things that I know I'm called to do that I know that I can do, I know that I've been prepared to do, and I know that the information that I need is in the light, so to speak, within me. But yet, by the same token, I don't do them. Why? And lately, there's been this thing of almost where I can physically feel like the light within me that holds the answers to those things like i can almost feel like it's in a box an enclosed box to not let it out call it fear call it whatever you want i mean there's a lot of light that i allow to slip through so to speak i think it's evidenced just by the sheer volume of courses and everything that i teach um but With these certain areas, which we're not going to get into today, because I don't think I could actually talk about them without, you know, cracking, um, I can physically feel like the light related to those topics is enclosed in a box. And um, it was funny the other day, I was thinking about it and I was describing it to Kristen later, but before... I was just kind of pondering it, meditating on it and everything. And I kept hearing that little Sunday school kids song, you know, about this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. (laughs) Hide it under a bushel? No. And I kind of feel like in some areas I've done that exact thing. And there's this deep-seated desire. And I can tell just on how I'm thinking that those desires are plugged directly into certain kinds of archetypes that are pooling at me constantly. I feel it. If I don't keep my mind busy on the current course of the day or something else to keep me distracted, I feel that pull in a way that's almost overwhelming. And that experience that I had a month ago where I asked about the foundation of archetypes is really what triggered it all off. Uh, again. You know, and I've since then made some other connections, like how labyrinths and spirals plug into all of it, because they do. And of course, there's other kinds of archetypes that plug into all of it, like um, image archetypes, you know, which you could refer to as symbols, but they're not really that. um, Like color, shapes, numbers, animals. You know how we can, like, you know, red means X. You know, or you see a certain shape and it equates with certain things. Um, numbers have certain meanings to us, right? That makes them all archetypes. And so we're, it's, it's almost like a, a programming language. And the one thought that I've gone back and forth with is it's based on our context. That's where they come from. And then another insight will come is like, no, it isn't based on context because they didn't have this context 3000 years ago. Oh yeah. Right. Um, you know, so like, why did the Egyptians build a pyramid? Well, because they thought it'd be cool. No, that's stupid. Well, because aliens came down and told them maybe, but still ultimately stupid, you know, why a pyramid? Because it's an archetype structure, you know, um, And just so happens that it's an archetype structure that allows you to do what? Plug into Earth's energy, light. You know, that's the conclusion that a lot of folks are coming to now. So everything is interconnected and I'm starting to become of the opinion that the more of this little light of ours that we have within us, that we give ourselves permission to tap into, the more we can do pretty much anything. The only reason why we can't do it is because we don't believe we can, you know? Or we're afraid of the consequences, or we're afraid that we'll fail, or, you know, any number of things that you fill in. Uh, Mark shares, part of my daily mantra is, at my tiniest bits, I am light, light is energy, I am made of energy connecting me to all. And giving me energy for anything and everything I wish. Part of my daily reminder of my own usable limitlessness. That's really cool. I like that a lot. That's great. Uh, Carolyn says, thanks for the reminder about Walter Russell. Read a couple of his books decades ago. I see a book on Amazon I will buy. The Secret of Working Knowingly with God. Yeah, I got that one just recently but i haven't read it read it yet his views are very interesting because he writes them within the context of christianity but there's a lot of stuff that he shares that's way beyond christianity and that's why i find it fascinating Um, and one thing it's kind of cool for those of you who are in the northeast is um, they're actually getting ready to open a museum, a Walter Russell Museum. I think it's already opening, but they're already opened just recently, but their grand opening, I believe, is in October or November of this year. And it's in Virginia, Waynesboro, Virginia. And so they've been collecting a lot of his works, uh, paintings, sculptures, different things like that, from all over the world, to bring them into this museum, along with his writings and those kinds of things. Um, So we're planning a trip to go. I can't resist. I mean, not somebody who's plugged in like this guy was. Um, So I'm planning on going there for sure. Uh, William says, you don't do them because the mind brain's job is to keep us in balance or homeostasis and learning the light could result in our change, a shift in homeostasis. That makes a lot of sense, and there definitely is, um, I can only speak for myself, but there definitely is a, uh, I I can see where that could apply, because you get into these questions of, yeah, well, if I give into this, then what happens to that, you know, that kind of thing, Uh, if then, you know. Um, Not that those are those questions of if-then are founded on any kind of fact whatsoever because they aren't. You know, most of the conclusions we draw about ourselves and the world around us is based on guesswork at best. It's mostly imagination. It isn't even real. Um, I mean, we all prove that pretty much every day. Um, And some of it is definitely programming. Um, because I've discovered some things too, in my own pushing and prodding into some of these areas like art, um, you know, uh, my mom, whenever she was younger, did a lot of drawing and painting. She took classes, courses and everything, and then ultimately just randomly dropped it, you know, didn't pursue it. Um, which I never really asked her why until just the other day, last Thursday, actually. Or no, it was over the weekend because I called her and, um, I said, you know how you used to always do art and you had all the art stuff and everything. And cause my sister and I would sneak up into the attic and play with it. Cause that's where it was, where it was. That was my first exposure to a lot of art was my mom's, uh, art supplies, which she had tons of. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I remember. And I said, why did you stop? Like, why did you never pursue it? And she got really quiet. Now, my mom is in her mid-70s now, you know, 76 this year. And uh, she got really quiet. And she said, I don't know. I don't know why I never pursued it. And I'm thinking is that the real reason or you just don't want to talk about it? (laughs) You know, I mean, I didn't say that to her, but you can't help, but think it. And, uh, that was one of the interesting discoveries that, you know, and just kind of thinking through that, like I witnessed that her embracing art and then walking away from it. But it, and by art, I mean like drawing and painting, she did a lot of other crafts. I mean, like basket weaving and pottery, and um, we'd make these little animals out of foam, <laughs> put eye, you know googly eyeballs on it and stuff. We had them hanging all over the refrigerator, everywhere. Um, weaving and crocheting, like all of that stuff, I learned from her by doing it as I grew up. But the um, you know a lot of the drawing and painting, she just stopped. And then later on, of course, that was one of my personal passions. And then whenever I announced that I wanted to go to college for art, um, you know, that's when I got the get a real job speech. (laughs) And it had a major impact on my outcome. Now, of course, I'm still doing art and all of that, but not at the level I think I could. Um, And I think the only... uh, blockade is me and Mark would likely attest to the fact that this has been a part of my ongoing I don't want to say struggle I don't think that's the right word but whatever it is for years because I remember Mark you uh some of your early messages to me emails and different things like that or post on Facebook where you would challenge me with certain things. I don't know if you even remember that. It's been years ago now. Um, but anyway, some of that will be a conversation for another time. Um, Carolyn says, Neville Goddard also wrote within the context of Christianity, yet he did not believe the scripture was fact. Yeah, I've read a lot of Goddard's works. I, he's in a, like, a lot of the New Thought guys... I've pretty much read everything that they've all written, own it all. It was very curious to me how that evolved and when the time frame was that it evolved. Um, The insight, I mean, talk about light shining in the darkness in a period of time. That's really what the New Thought Movement was. And um, it was very, very curious. It's one of the things that drew me into the public domain so early on was because you had, um, authors like Orville sweat, and Goddard and Robert Collier and, um, uh, William Walker, uh, let's see, William Thompson, wait, William, what's his name? William Thompson. He has a middle name Atkinson. Um, There's just a lot of different authors like that, that I enjoy reading. And of course, Nautilus magazine and, um, all of that. I mean, just, it's an amazing foundation of work by a lot of people. And now, you know, a lot of those concepts that were shared are pretty much kept underground, uh, in some respects, because if we believe that we can do anything, and if we embrace the light fully guess who can't control us nobody (laughs) you know so in other words that level of belief system
1: is an absolute threat to the powers that be william says many have written
0: that we are limited only by our mind very few work on mind development versus other types of self-development yeah um I believe that wholeheartedly and I think it's one of the reasons why I've spent so much focused attention on that part of it all because I can see in some areas where I've grown and I've certainly been prodded along by seemingly random experiences and events. But, you know, one of the things that I really noticed today, especially today, is the lack of mental toughness. Like, people just can't emotionally handle anything. I mean, you see stories of millennials, you know, who need a crying closet at college because the pressure is too overwhelming. It's like, for crying out loud, no pun intended. (laughs) It's like, a crying closet, really? (laughs) But, like, the other day, just yesterday, I think, one of our... um, One of our vendors at our new space is a gal in her early twenties and she just can't understand certain things. And as Kristen tried to explain them to her, she just started crying. She was overwhelmed because she just, well, you should just know that it should be this way and I don't understand why and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's just so lacking today. Mental toughness. Um, because in many cases we've just been undermined from so many different directions and i see you know i think i've come a long way and then i find a certain something and boom done and you know mark says you just need to believe in yourself and i agree i i'm not arguing that and you know i can very easily point to lots and lots and lots of different things where i obviously do believe in myself um but Yet there's some areas that just, and I think maybe all of us experience that in some form or another, I don't know. Uh, Carolyn says, uh, art helps you to turn off the verbal side of your brain. It lets the nonverbal, intuitive side of the brain come out, or it lets the brain act as a receiver um, to impressions from your con- unconscious
1: mind, your spirit, or whatever. That's well put. I I really like that. Um, and Carolyn also shares, I know you have heard of her work. Betty Edwards,
0: Drawing on the Right Side of Your Brain is Good. Yeah, I don't know if I've read that
1: specifically or not. I'm pretty sure we have it. Either I got it or Kristen, but I'll have to check.
0: Uh, Mark says, I believe you need to throw away the need for an outcome and just experience the act of creating to get into the state. Throw away the results. Practice that that until the creation is the experience. Yeah, that's a really good point, Mark. I, I think for me, I don't know that I've ever done that.
1: Because... Well, I'm just, I'm
0: thinking, that's why I'm pausing. Because, you know, photography is obviously one of those art forms
1: that I've embraced, although I haven't really done much with it lately. Um, But
0: even that, like, my mantra for photography was capturing moments the way we remember them. And so... That in and of itself has its own pressure, I guess to uh You know to create an outcome, and that is to get to get to how you remember it. I don't know that I've ever created art to sit down without an outcome i'm too I'm too much of a uh control freak for that, or I have been anyway. I'll put it that way. It just honestly. What you just said never occurred to me ever You know, and I think that's one of the reasons why i've been in in such at you know at odds with myself in some respects because like a lot of the art that I create now i've I've figured out mechanisms to force me to create art, and that's probably the wrong way of looking at it just by simple definition, you know, if I'm teaching a class on something, like I prove that I can, but to just create for the sake of creating, which really, I guess, in just talking through this aloud, is the essence of light, if you really get right down to it. Um, Light has no desired outcome, it just is. It just exists and carries with it. I mean, light in and of itself is impregnated with everything. Um, and it does kind of remind me, I I forget who said it, one of the sculptors, it might have been Da Vinci, but I'm not sure. I don't remember now, but they said that, um, their job as a sculptor was to release what was already in the stone or something like that. I forget how they worded it. Um, and I was always kind of enamored with that. It's like, how do they know, you know? It's like, well, we didn't come into this with any preconceived notions because it was already there. And I've even made the statement multiple times that um, every, every story, every piece of art, every, everything that we are ever to accomplish in our world already exists.
1: It's just our job to walk the bridge, you know, walk the bridge to it. Mark says, I, I did a class on drawing on the right side of the brain. Awesome book. And Carolyn says, I second what Mark just said, Betty Edwards would be a good place to start. Cool. Uh, Kathleen says, if you were taught to draw as if you were actually tracing the
0: surface of The subject with a pencil, as some of us were, you can easily and accidentally develop a psychic connection with the person you're sketching. This is not necessarily a welcome connection. It can be scary. I can believe that. And Mark says, you are an artist. The eye for composition in your photos is one of the hardest things to teach. I mentioned this before. Art and photography are the act of chasing light.
1: Yeah, true story. Um, And Kathleen also says, but some of the great art of the ages was created on commission for religious organizations or as portraits. Yeah, isn't that interesting to me? Like, it's almost on-demand art, but yet they
0: created these incredible works. Um, and William says, doing a lot of public domain research lately, I'm struck by how much of mind development is linked to spiritual development. Um, the Descartes Church Agreement has had a
1: profound effect on our self development of the mind even today. Yeah, there's so much in the public domain.
0: Um, it's about time to wrap things up, but. One thing I will tell you, speaking about public domain, is uh, I've been secretly working on a project (laughs) that I haven't talked about publicly until this moment um, where I've filtered through all of the websites that I've ever discovered over the course of the last 13 years. To pick out the best of the best sources for public domain content for books and images, just those two categories, and I'm compiling them into a uh, resource database of sorts. And uh, you're going to hear about hear more about it in the next day or two because uh, it's almost done. But it's it's going to be like the ultimate the ultimate list in public domain discovery. Um, Because there's a few things that have happened, just talk about public domain for a minute, a few things that have happened in the last several months that I haven't talked about, but pretty much nobody is aware of that's taken place as far as, excuse me, identifying works that are in the public domain. It's been one of those challenges, right, where you have to research it and then you're not sure and all of that kind of stuff. Well, I discovered that somebody um, who works for the New York Public Library, a programmer, figured out how to compile a database of every public domain work that has been renewed between 1923 and 1978. The reason why that's important is because if you know which ones have been renewed, then it's easy to tell which ones weren't. And of course, there's millions of books that were released during that period of time. And so this database represents about 18% of all the books that were copyrighted in that time period, 18 to 20. And so this database, which I have a copy of, has about I think it's 246,000 books, which sounds like a lot, but you figure that that's over the course of 55 years. Um, So in the grand scheme of things, it's really not a lot. Um, And given the small percentage that was actually renewed. And so I've been working with this database to kind of hone it down into a usable form that anybody can just simply, whatever book you find, compare it against this database. If it's on the database, you're good. Um, Then you can't use it. If it's not on the database, you're free and clear, period. No questions asked. And um, I do know that there's additional work being done behind the scenes where there are individuals who are who have also compiled a complete list of every book submitted for copyright protection in that same period of time and they're bouncing the two databases against each other to determine a list of every single book title and author written in that 55 year time period that is indeed in the public domain it's not available in the public for the public yet right now it's only in xml files um But what's interesting is Google and HathiTrust and a couple others have taken this data and they're scanning books like fiends to try to get as many of those now revealed public domain books uh, onto their sites as possible because before they were using the 1923 date as a limit, as a limitation for what they actually put on the sites just to play it safe. But now that those limitations have been defined courtesy of these databases, it's like all bets are off, and they're on a mad rush to get as many books online as possible, which is awesome for you and I. Um, it just means that literally over the next six to eight months, millions more books are going to be available to us. So you'll learn more about that in this resource project that I'm working on, but it's pretty damn exciting. <laughs> got to tell you, just some of the books that I found as a result of this are crazy off the charts and I'm not going to tell you what they
1: are just because they're that good. But anyway, I digress and geek out. Uh, That might be it that I was thinking
0: of Mark. Mark says, uh, Michelangelo said he removed everything from the marble piece that was not in his, that was not the image in his mind. That's kind of cool. Uh, Kathleen, the, the, what I'm going to be sharing um, is a combination. There's going to be two documents. Well, there's probably going to be more knowing me, but the initial resource database is going to be in PDF form. But um, I'm also working on the renewal list, um, and that will be in an Excel spreadsheet, uh, just because the sheer volume of it. Uh, it's easier to um access the data and you know you can do uh you know sort by column which means you can alphabetize or
1: you know whatever excuse me <clears throat> good stuff <laughs> william says goodie more public domain stuff from tony yep Uh, And he also says, unfortunately, HathiTrust still protects many books unless
0: you're a participating member. Yeah, that's why I don't use them very often. Like, for big databases, my go-to is either um, um, Internet Archive, which is archive.org, or um, Google Books. And I think Internet Archive is also involved in that same initiative. So it's a big sprint to get that, that data. Um, And Chris says public domain stuff is good. Exciting. I know. Yeah. I always make the statement, you know, I'm not teaching on public domain again until I have something new to share. And with the thought that I may never have anything new to share, but then, you know, courtesy of all the research that I do, you discover new things. And it's like, Oh, Holy cow. (laughs) I got to tell everybody. Um, so anyway, I digress. Well, that's all we're going to talk about for today. Um, I don't want to dig too much deeper into what we were talking about earlier. I'll start crying and make an idiot of myself, which I'm okay with, but we're at the end of the day and I have to get work done, um, and check on the plumber to see how he's making out. So, uh, (laughs) Mark says never say never. I don't think Project Gutenberg is directly involved, William, but I'm sure that they'll benefit from it for sure. Um, Helena says, have a wonderful, blessed day. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, and Kathleen says, thank you. Did you miss us? I did. You know, um, I look at those of you who show up here live and... Even though most of you have never met face to face at least not yet, I feel like I know you at a deeper level than many others. I mean, Mark and I have hung out uh some, and that's been cool, but uh and certainly not enough. <laughs> it seems definitely brothers from another mother, but um I look forward to hanging out with all of you and at some point or another, however, that happens. but I appreciate the wisdom that each of you have because. You know, I can directly point to different things that you said to me over, you know, other nerd unscripteds that have meant a lot to me. I can see the wisdom there and I appreciate it and certainly honor that. Um, and William says, we missed you. Well,
1: I certainly um, enjoy these times together.
0: Like, my mind often drifted back to Nerd Unscripted for summer, but it was a necessary break uh, whenever it happened. Um, Kathleen says, can you recommend an easy, cheap floor plan software for Mac? Um, I have one that I use. Uh, I don't remember what it's called off the top of my head, Kathleen, but I'll check after we're done, and I'll send you a message or something with it. Uh, we used it to lay out our um the addition that we built here on the house and everything, and it worked perfectly and Mark says it's our unwavering curiosity bond, yeah, that's definitely part of it for sure. yep, all right, folks. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and week, and we will meet here together next Tuesday at ten a m Thank you.